I'm Chase Brook with Brook Ranch in Pearl, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we'll take a look at the recent cattle on feed report released by USDA last week. We'll check out the nationwide numbers as well as the Texas feedlot numbers in that report. That's coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. High fertilizer prices are inspiring some innovative thinking in agriculture right now. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll have special advice for sorghum farmers. Planning to win against weeds in cornfields in 2022. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. A year ago, I heard many people wanting 2020 to be gone for obvious reasons. How did it work out? Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and we'll take a look in today's report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA has released the latest cattle on feed report for November, which came in as most analysts were expecting. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum takes a look at the numbers. The number of cattle on feed on December 1st was just under 12 million head, which was about a half a percent below uh, the December 1st, 2020 numbers. During November, feedlots placed about uh, 1.97 million head of cattle, which was about 4% above 2020. They marketed just under 1.9 million head during November, which was 5% above 2020. The marketing's number was higher, but Shagum says when you adjust for the fact that there was one extra slaughter day in November of 2021, the marketing's were only about a half percent higher compared to last year. Now, this report contained information for all feedlots in the nation, but what about the on-feed numbers here in Texas? Despite an increase in cattle placements in November, there were slightly fewer cattle and calves on feed December 1st in Texas. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 2.88 million head of cattle and calves on feed in Texas feedlots with a capacity of 1,000 head or more at the start of the month. That is down 1% from the same time last year. Texas cattlemen and women placed 445,000 head in commercial feedlots in Texas in November. The majority of those placements at 180,000 head were under 600 pounds. Around 120,000 head weighed in between 600 and 699 pounds. Placements in November are up 10% from the same time last year. Texas commercial feeders marketed 400,000 head in November. That is unchanged from last year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, 
I'm Jessica Domel. An American Farm Bureau economist says soaring fertilizer and other input costs may continue into next spring before they stabilize. Ammonia has increased over 210%. Liquid nitrogen's up 159%. Urea's up 155%. MAP, MAP, has increased 125%. DAP, DAP, is up over 100%. And potash has risen above 134%. AFBF economist Shelby Meyer says there are several things behind soaring fertilizer costs. Increased global demand. There's domestic production versus uh, the import situation of whether it's cheaper to produce locally or import some of those key nutrients. Rising energy costs. Myers says getting rid of tariffs on imported fertilizer would definitely help. High fertilizer prices are inspiring some innovative thinking in agriculture right now. James Hunt has some special advice for sorghum farmers. With fertilizer prices sky high right now, Dr. Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff is among those advocating soil testing ahead of spring planting. And Dr. Bean recommends that sorghum growers in particular go as far as two feet deep with their sampling. You may have nitrogen, and a lot of cases we will have nitrogen, down deeper in that soil profile that the sorghum crops certainly can use because it's fairly deep-rooted. So you can save some money right off the bat. Soil sampling is cheap compared to what fertilizer is, so I strongly encourage people to do that, some deeper soil samples. Dr. Bean also suggests an alternative approach to the timing of fertilizer application. We like to put a lot of our fertilizer on pre-plant just so we get it out of the way and Especially if we're using ammonia, you've pretty much got to do it that way. But in a year like this year where fertilizer costs are high, that sorghum plant will respond very well to post-plant fertilizer application. Typically, I like to recommend, you know, let's put on 50% of our pre-plant nitrogen on and then, and then put the rest of it on in season this year. I might switch to more like 25% of that pre-plant or maybe even all of it, put it on post. It's a little more difficult to get it on post, and you run into some timing issues sometimes. You know, it rains, or you're busy with other things, and you can't get in there, and things like that. But the advantage to doing that is it gives you a chance to see what that crop's going to do. So, say you've planted it, and you, you know, it's 30 days after planting, and the crop's up and looking good. And you've got, uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed here, and hope we got you know rain in the forecast, and it looks like it's going to be a good year. Then hey, let's put some more fertilizer on. But on the other hand, if it turns off dry and the crop doesn't look good and there's not a good forecast for rain, then we can cut way back on what fertilizer we're going to put out. Once again, that was Dr. Brent Bean with the Sorghum Checkoff. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The fight against weeds will continue in 2022. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Sean Hoke. He is corn herbicide product lead with Syngenta. And Sean, let's talk about uh, what you folks are doing, what type of new technology is out there for farmers, uh, in particular the corn farmers, when it comes to weeds in their field and what you have new in 2022. At Syngenta, we've continued to develop residual herbicides that can help farmers manage the fight against weeds. And uh, 2022, we're seeing emerging problems, new problematic weeds, volatile weather, fertilizer, price increases, all more reasons to invest in a residual herbicide and keep your investment to the crop, not the weeds. And with that, Tom, we and we've had Acuron for a few years. We've taken the the uh, innovations that we've had with Acuron, bicyclopyrone and the built-in burn down and longer residual of that herbicide. And we've created another new herbicide called Acuron GT. It contains bicyclopyrone. It's the ultimate post-emergent herbicide for corn because it combines faster knockdown, enhanced control, and residual 
weed control of many driver weeds across Texas, including grasses, amaranthus, and some of your maybe not so common weeds, like large seeded broadleaves of cockleburr and morning glory. And for growers that want to manage in the post-emergence space, Acuron GT will be that herbicide of choice. Using robust rates of a good pre-herbicide followed by a post-herbicide is the way to best manage weeds. And quite frankly, it starts with having a great crop. That is Sean Hoke. He is herbicide product lead with Syngenta. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A year ago, we were all happy to say goodbye to 2020. So how did the transition to 2021 work out? Barry Mahler gives his perspective from the Texas Rolling Plains. A year ago, as 2020 began to wind down, I heard so many people saying things like, good riddance, we want this year gone. And a lot of that came from frustration over the coronavirus that touched everyone's life one way or another. The change in the numbers at the top of our calendar came and went, but just how has it worked out? Well, in looking back, rather than looking at life in general, let's zoom in a little bit and kind of center the discussion on a look at agriculture here on the Rolling Plains for 2021. In fact, let's break it down by dividing the year into the good, the bad, and the ugly as it relates to lots of farmers and ranchers. I think the good has to be the crop production for 21. Now, this is not true everywhere, of course, as dry weather areas continue to grow as the year progressed, but there was a good wheat, grain, sorghum, hay, and cotton crop harvested. Native grass did well for lots of ranchers and kept their cattle in good shape. These good high average to record yields were met with strong prices and a crop and a good price at the same time is something most producers see only once or twice in a lifetime. Kim Anderson, a well-recognized ag economist from OSU, summed the price strength up in a chart that showed cash wheat at the end of harvest now, this is as the harvest was winding down, was $7.92 per bushel compared to the five-year average of just four twenty-eight. Likewise, corn was at 562 per bushel compared to the average of 379 and Milo at 577, another price much higher than the average. Now, cotton, while all the numbers are not in yet, will also show good numbers compared to averages from years past. The bad category would include things like inability to hire help at just about any level, whether it was labor for the farm or help at suppliers that slowed down delivery of goods and services. The cattle market was slow to come on to the price increase party, and while trending a little better now, it was lower than it should have been considering the increased costs. And we can't leave the bad category without mentioning the trend toward drier weather. Many areas here on the plains are already very dry, and many others following closely behind, bringing real concern for wheat farmers and folks running stock or cattle on wheat right now. And the ugly? Well, it has to be input costs and supply issues in our industry. We hear stories of mechanic shops sitting full of equipment needing repair for the season and parts just not available. Fertilizer is in short supply and the cost has increased dramatically just as wheat farmers are needing to get nutrients out for the season. Chemicals are difficult to obtain and when I contacted a supplier recently about a burn down herbicide to use behind cotton harvest, he told me he didn't know when it would be here, but he knew the price and the price is over three times what it cost a year ago. These input increases are worrisome to producers, not just because they eat profits right now, but also seem to hang around as the new standard long after commodity prices have settled back to lower levels. Well, I hope you've had a good 2021, and here's wishing you all a very safe and successful 2022. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. 
Researchers at a Texas university report they found the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans in white-tailed deer in Texas. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a lot of puppies are purchased at this time of year as Christmas presents. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are a lot of puppies purchased at this time of year for Christmas presents. Dr. Bob Judd says it's important to treat these new puppies for parasites. Most puppies that are raised by breeders are dewormed before the puppies are sold, and the new owners are told that the puppy has been dewormed, so many owners do not worry about parasites. The concern with this situation is that many breeders only routinely deworm with products that have been used for years in pets, and there's now a lot of resistance of hookworms to this dewormer. And this is not surprising as this class of parasite is resistant in livestock as well. Although the livestock and dog parasites do not affect the other species, the general class of the parasites is the same. Hookworms are transmitted from dog to dog through exposure to a bowel movement from one animal to another. The eggs are passed in the bowel movement and the eggs become larvae which are ingested or can even penetrate the dog's skin. In fact, these larvae can also penetrate human skin and cause a disease in humans called cutaneous larval migraines. Once the ingested larvae are in the dog's intestinal tract, they just don't stay there and grow, but migrate through the intestinal wall and migrate to the lungs. After migrating to the lungs, the larvae migrate to the airways and then become adults in the intestine. The importance of this fact is that this is the reason dogs must be dewormed multiple times because the dewormer does not kill the migrating larvae and you have to deworm multiple times after the larvae have become adults. So if you received a puppy for Christmas, regardless of the history, be sure and take the puppy to a veterinarian for a analysis for parasites. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Researchers at a Texas university report they found the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans in white-tailed deer here in Texas. Jessica Dommel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Antibodies to the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans has been found in white-tailed deer in Texas. According to a report in Vector-Borne and Zoonotic Diseases, researchers tested samples collected from hunter-harvested deer from several areas in Travis County between January and February of this year. Of the 54 samples they tested, 37% tested positive for the SARS-CoV-2 antibodies. Texas is the fifth state to confirm evidence of prior SARS-CoV-2 infection in deer. It's also been found in deer in Illinois, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and New York. It's unclear how the deer became infected with the virus, but researchers say it is likely they were somehow infected by humans. 
Dr. Douglas Watts, a professor of biological sciences at the University of Texas at El Paso, is one of the co-authors of the study. He said the one thing we know about SARS-CoV-2 is its unpredictability. He said, therefore, the transmission of the virus from infected deer back to humans, while not likely, may be possible. We reached out to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in September after the first case of the virus was found in deer in another state. They were unable to do an interview at the time, but noted there is currently no evidence that wildlife may be a source of infection for people in the U.S. They do recommend that hunters not harvest animals that appear sick or are found dead. They say hunters should avoid cutting through the backbone and spinal tissues, and they encourage them not to eat the brains of wildlife as a precaution. You can find additional tips by searching CDC COVID deer. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market finished mostly higher in Tuesday's trade, but cotton and corn dropped lower. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org slash stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market moved higher in Tuesday's trade. We closed higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. December live cattle up at dollar seventeen, one thirty-eight forty-seven. The February up twelve cents at one thirty-nine forty. April live cattle up twenty-seven at one forty-three ninety-five. Same thing on the feeder market. January feeder cattle up at dollar fifteen, one sixty-three fifty-five. March feeders up a dollar ninety-five at one sixty-five twenty-two. April feeder cattle up a dollar sixty, one sixty-eight fifty-two. Cash-fed cattle trade all quiet so far this week. No sales to report. Feedlots here in the south asking one thirty-seven to one thirty-eight. But no sales so far. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice was up 201 at 266.49. Select up 255 at 257.73. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Looks like we need a glass of iced tea because it's still a little warm outside. Wayne Geiswhite said it was warm where he was celebrating Christmas in Fredericksburg. Wayne, I know you had a Merry Christmas, didn't you? Yes, sir, we did. Everything went wonderful. Good. I've had my whole family here and everybody healthy and that, we're doing good. That's great. And the warmest uh, Christmas I guess you can remember in a while, right? I guess when I was a boy, I remember playing some baseball and stuff on Christmas, but 
It was pretty warm. Right. We went out, we were cooking outside, and I was in a long sleeve shirt and took it all off and yeah. had a t-shirt. So right. it was pretty warm cooking. Right. Now, it's going to get cool after the first of the year, sounds like. What will that do to our sheep and goat and cattle markets if that happens? Well, we might not run quite as many, but they're not talking about getting really, you know, it's going to get in the 50s and low 60s during the day, and I don't even know it's going to freeze at night, what they're saying right now. But I think we'll have good runs of both the first sale after the New Year's. Everything should be good, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you or your son, Sean, there at Gillespie Livestock. Y'all sell sheep and goats on Tuesday and cattle on Wednesday. Well, Larry, we're at 830-997-4394. I want to wish everybody a happy new year, and we do appreciate the customers. Without them, we could not have a business, and uh, they need any help, well, give us a call. And tell Sean I'll be hollering at him uh, probably on Wednesday, I guess. That'll be fine. Neighbor, most all of our yards will return to business this next Monday. I guess that'll be the first, second, third of January as I turn to my left and count that calendar. Neighbor, that's it for this edition of Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you have even a grander New Year. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close lower. February hogs down a dollar two, eighty-two sixty-two. April down seventeen cents, eighty-seven fifty-five. Class three milk was lower. Nearby December milk down two cents at eighteen forty-one. January milk down two, nineteen eighty-seven. A hundredweight. Cotton and grains both selling off sharply on Tuesday. Several factors putting pressure on all of these markets. Of course, we're here at the end of the year. A lot of the speculators like to square up their positions here at the end of the year. Also seeing some year-end grower selling, putting pressure on the markets. And you add all that to the fact that we've seen quite a run-up in cotton, corn, and wheat over the last week or so. So some thoughts that the market may be a bit overbought. A lot of traders taking profits and pushing profits. Prices lower. March cotton down 223 points, 110.05. May cotton down 179 points at 108.04. New crop December cotton down 64 points, 91.30 cents. Corn lower with March down 10 cents, 604 and three quarters. New crop September corn down eight and a half, 569 and a half. The wheat market seeing another sell-off on Tuesday. July Kansas City wheat down 18 and a quarter, 820 and a half. Soft wheat in Chicago, July down 17 cents at 783 and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas was down seven cents at 386. February crude oil up 37, 75, 94 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 127 points, 36,429. The Nasdaq down 76, 15,795. The S&P down two points, 4,789. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.